ABC Listen. Podcasts, radio, news, music and more. This is The Conversation Hour on ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. Many parents throw up their hands to coach their kids' sports team. But what does it actually take to be a good kids coach? Is it more than just knowing the rules and maybe the fact that you played that particular sport when you were a kid? You have to be able to negotiate emotions and abilities and at the whole time throughout that, make sure that the kids are learning whilst they're having fun. And then, of course, there is the growing issue of also having the ability to be able to manage other parents. So, Warwick Long, good morning. What starts out as a simple idea of, yeah, I'll coach the kids basketball, netball, footy team all of a sudden becomes a little more complicated than you realise. Sometimes it doesn't even get to that, Rochelle. Sometimes it's the kids can't enter a team unless someone coaches it and you're the only person around. And that's how I started coaching under 10 soccer. There was no one else and you want the best for your kids. So you put your hand up and, you, and there is that part. It's so funny. There is that part in your mind. How hard How hard can it be? be? I've played. Yeah, and it'll just be something extra I do on the side. And it's amazing how these little moments, these decisions in your life can become all-consuming. They can be the best moments of your year. They can be the worst moments of your year. And I don't know, not being a qualified teacher, I've never thought so hard about kids' welfare or, or at least trying to keep them involved as I ever have until I started coaching a, a small kids team and th- I didn't expect that when I signed up for so it. So you just said they're not being a qualified teacher and as a coach, I guess that's what you are, right? You're a teacher to a certain degree but there's so much involved in it and I think it comes to <laughs> as a shock to a lot of people when they do start. My husband being one as well, I think he loves it, right? And I have to say, I'm not being biased, he is a wonderful coach and all of the kids are having the best time. But he did come home that first night after his first training with this look of fear in his oh, eyes. Oh, they break you. The first training, <laughs> they break you. You don't break them, they break you and then eventually you build yourself up. That's, that's how it works. I know, but there's skill, right? So you need to yeah. ensure that they're having fun, that they're maybe learning a thing or two as well, that you're able to negotiate the parents on the sidelines that all want to have their opinion. So how do we make it fun? How do you make sure that, because we've all got that friend who at some point in their life later on says, oh no, I don't play sport. And then when you drill down into it, there has been a moment generally in like under 12s when maybe a coach has said, look, we're just not going to play you in this particular final because you're just not quite fast enough or, you know, you're not strong enough uh, in the forward line. At the age group I was coaching, my whole goal for the season, Rish, was I want them to want to come back next year, right? Like that was the entire goal of the season. If you distilled it down, just want them to have a good enough time that they think, oh, yeah, I'll play that sport next, next year. They, now, they may not for a million different reasons. They might go play footy or something else or basketball, but I didn't want to be the reason a kid stopped playing sport, and that was the goal of coaching. And I wonder if other people feel mm. the same way and how do you achieve that 
where none of us were qualified going into it. <laughs> us know what we're doing. To so know how to do that. Yeah. Have you thrown your hand up? Do you coach a kids' sports team? And what skills do you need? On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. Good morning, Rochelle Hunty with you in Melbourne. Your co-host this morning, Warwick Long, of course, host of the Country Hour and joining you from ABC Shepparton. And we're talking about what skills does it take to be a kids' coach. Now today's conversation was started because of one woman who joins us in the studio and we have a wonderful panel of guests. Joining you from our Canberra studios is Sarah Lowe who is the newly appointed CEO of Softball Australia and the former CEO of South Metro Junior Footy League. Morning Sarah. Morning, Michelle. How are you going? Very well. And also in the studio, Tyson Whelan, who is an ABC Sports reporter. He's also the court announcer for South East Melbourne Phoenix and a volunteer and administrator at the MAFRA Basketball Association. Tyson, a warm welcome to you. Great to be with you, Michelle. And the woman that started today's conversation was is Emma Murray. She is a high-performance mindset coach. She has worked with AFL clubs, including Richmond, motorsports, athletes, Olympians, you name it. Emma Murray. A warm welcome to you. Thank you. Now, we heard you with Trevor Chapel on afternoons talking to a kids basketball coach who rang you and basically said, I don't know what I'm doing. Help me. Because you have kids of all abilities, don't you? Maybe kids that are natural, maybe kids that are starting out, some that have strengths and weaknesses. It's tricky to navigate coaching kids sport. Tricky is an understatement. <laughs> it is uh, really difficult. You are trying to uh, not just teach them how to play sport. You're trying to teach them how to be a part of a team. You're trying to uh, teach the parents how to be spectators um, and, and to manage people. their fe- <laughs> feelings. Um, and, you know, it's a lot. And my experience with junior coaches, I've been a junior coach. I actually, not many people know this, but I Prior to getting, you know, really going into the work that I'm, I'm doing, I was a full-time netball coach and ran a lot of coach education. So very passionate about it and think we could do it a whole lot better with a bit of education. And, and Emma, what was the most asked question then when you're, when you're doing coach education? What is the thing that coaches are the most self-conscious about? Losing. Um, and that is there's, you know, if I put my mental hat on here, um, as a human, our greatest fear is fear of other people's opinions. So as soon as you step into that coach role, you're super worried about what the kids will think of you, but you're probably more worried about what their parents will think of you. So you are trying to balance um, perhaps your own beliefs with this layer of what will they think of me if we lose, if I'm terrible, if this kids, you know, don't do a good job. And, you know, I heard in the introduction that you're focusing, uh, Warren, on fun um, and we can want to do that, but we ultimately are really, really worried about doing a terrible job. Um, And so we need to learn so many things around how to manage that. But one of the biggest things we need to learn is how do I actually manage my fear of what people are going to think of me in this role? It's so true. Sarah Lowe, I mean, newly appointed CEO of Softball Australia. So I don't think we've spoken on air since you got that appointment. So a huge congratulations to what is an incredible gig. When you have spent time in regional Vic, in and around, you know, amateur sporting leagues, 
what changes have you noticed when it comes to kids coaches, whether it be people not wanting to put their hand up, too many people putting their hand up, expectations on coaches? I'm not sure, but what have you witnessed? Yeah, and I'm just on, uh, just want to acknowledge I'm on beautiful Ngunnawal country up here in Canberra and uh, visiting my uh, softballers and I had a uh, really great uh, experience the, two days ago where I got to see the most standard at you know the grassroots where you know young girls are playing softball and just watching how much fun they were having and watching the coaches and then yesterday I got to watch the the, the state team and then how serious that gets but those girls were absolutely wonderful at that state team yesterday and the coaching was top notch I mean that that fun element that they put in. So really pleasing for me as a new CEO to be able to see at grassroots the fun that was elemented there and then also in the state rep team. So, And I do see this uh, a fair bit in just the expectation of coaches and, you know, the the, the parent behaviour and, and, and everything that comes with it. And it's so much for them to volunteer as it is. And I think like was what, what, what was I saying before, you know, it's really, really hard to you know, to, to be that motivator and, uh, you know, be able to help those kids and teach the skills. But it's so rewarding. But we know that participation, coaches and volunteerism is dropping. And, you know, there, there's a reason for that. And, you know, whether it's from external sources and the amount of pressure that's put on coaches, there have to be so many things to so many people. Uh, and really just that support that's required uh, for the coaches uh, is a lot, you know, lesson plans, you know, keeping it fun, keeping it motivated and then having all that outside noise as well is can can be quite challenging for them. Oh, I want to explore a lot of that. Sarah Lowe's with you, Go Emma ahead, Murray's Lawrence. with you, Rochelle and Warwick <laughs> Long with you for the conversation. Our Tyson Willans with us as well. Brendan is on the line as well from Narendra. G'day, Brendan. Hey, how you going? Yeah, good. What did you want to say? Well, just... Junior coaching is um, it's a lot about the psychology of it as well. Like, um, you know, you, you like to, you know, fun is one thing, but I coached um, the under-18 division for, um, you know, 12, 13 years, and it's a balancing act between the positivity of watching your children, your, 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 your players improve, but it's also about, you know, like, it's, your things are fun, but they're more fun when you win it. And I guess that comes back to that fear of losing, doesn't it, Emma? Yeah. uh, You know, when Sarah was talking about um, fun, you know, I was like, wow, we need to really go into that. That is a whole piece um, because it's very confusing for the coach. Am I supposed to be just having fun? You know, because kids find it fun if they win. You know, what am I actually trying to do here? And, you know, fun is an element that has an in, a really significant impact on the psychology of sports. So if I can, if you can allow me just to talk about this for a, for a moment, um, we, we are given these kids to coach and it's quite often at a community level. And we have to understand as junior coaches that there's a, a role for community sport then and there's a role for pathway sport. And so at a community sport, we're really aiming for that participation and we have to trust that the pathways, the elite pathways are set up to give your child the chance of going further into their their sport. But at community level, we are trying to drive participation, but we're also trying to give a grounding of the sport for the kids that want to go to elite. So where does fun fit into all of that? Ultimately, 
when we provide an environment that is fun, we get better performance. So for those coaches out there who are saying, oh, but winning's fun, you need to create an environment that is fun so that you win. And we do this at the AFL level. If, you know, I've worked with Richmond Football Club, you know, for a number of years across their three premierships, and our number one tool for performance is to have fun because when we are having fun we are in a safe mindset we are not looking for the dangers we're not lo- we're not hyper vigilant and a child can then actually have a crack take risks you know put their head over the ball when the environment is safe and fun so yes we want to win but my biggest message to community coaches if you do want to win you cannot fear children into winning you cannot fear children into performing better even if that what how you were raised the environment of schools these days mean that throws kids into a really hyper vigilant mindset and we need to provide an environment for fun because that's your quickest way to win because emma not every team is going to win that's the nature of sport right there's going to be a winner and a loser so if if uh, winning is the only way to fun in people's mindset you're setting yourself up for disappointment aren't you yeah i mean the role of community sport is to enhance the lives of our children so we need to look at winning as great but losing is super important we want our children to learn how to lose we want our children to learn how to work with people who are at a different standard of them we want to learn those skills and to the parents who get really obsessed by winning if your child wants to progress in the sport they need to lose they learn from failure they need to work with people who approach it differently and are weaker than them that is putting more tools in the tool belt of your child that you want to become elite at this sport that's the voice of emma murray who's with you as a high performance mindset coach sarah lowe is with you from our canberra studios the ceo of softball australia and tyson whelan abc sports reporter court announcer for southeast melbourne phoenix and tyson you and your family are huge volunteers and high involved in the Mafra Basketball Association. Beautiful part of the state, even though I'm maybe a little biased. When it comes to what keeps kids playing Mm. and families, because it actually does take often an entire family, doesn't it? You've got older siblings maybe that are umpiring or maybe even coaching. You've got kids playing. You've got mum or dad maybe coaching. What keeps your family going back and involved? Oh, it's a real rarity to... um see a family that might have one member of their family involved. The whole nature of um, community sport, particularly in the country, I've found is that, that it's a whole family affair. Um, I think it's just identifying, as we've talked about, some of the what the rewards that you reap from being involved. So if you provide a safe haven for kids to come along and have that sort of forced socialisation that they otherwise just wouldn't have in the schoolyard and um, I think there's something so primal about playing sport where you know you feel things intensely, you play uh, with that competitive edge but you also get to experience the things that so the human condition laid out there, right? So you have people that you work with that aren't necessarily um, as, as talented as you or maybe they are more talented than you. And these are all things we'll experience later in life, in your adulthood, mm. but you're experiencing it laid out bare in sport. And um, and then if you accept that um, you're a volunteer or you accept that you're a coach, you understand as well the impression that you have on people. So I'm now 23 years old and I can still name every single junior coach I've ever had. Oh, so if you think about the teachers that you've had when you're in primary school and the impact that they had on you, you can't oversell the impression that a good coach can have on a kid. What makes a good coach then? I mean, you, you're you out like 23. Yours wasn't this like a second ago. You were playing, you know, <laughs> under 18s. How's that so, make you feel, was? <laughs> so 
what makes a good coach? You know, what motivated you on the court? Yeah, on the a, basketball court. Yeah, there's a couple of things. Um, first thing is identifying the quirks of, of kids. If you sign up as a coach and don't accept that you're going to have a variety of kids with different abilities and skills, then you just need to try something else because. Um, kids are all just so different. And so if you've got a kid that can't shoot a layup, then put them in the short corner and let the, let the ball fly from there because they're just individual players and they play different ways. Their bodies are shaped differently. They have com- different competitive instincts. Just identifying that and being willing to identify that is crucial. Um, the second thing as well is, you know, you have to show an interest um, in the sport. Obviously, we come with our passion. We come with our desire to be helpful in volunteers. But at the end of the day, sports are all different. They have different rules. And the moment you actually just start thinking about ways that you can enhance um, the kid's participation in the sport by understanding it is, is so crucial. Mm-hmm. Because if a kid comes along, um, and I know this from the junior coaches that I've had, and you get the impression that, that it's very much that last minute thought, oh, this, this parent has just agreed to it. Um, even if that might be the case, it, it can rub off on the kids. And mm-hmm. so just identifying that there is that sense of um, I love this sport and I want you to love it too. Come come with me on this journey, um, which might sound, you know, for a kid like over philosophical, you know, philosophical for the, the discussion, but I think you do, that does rub off on kids. So it's just about having that level of passion, identifying what the kids' um, best aspects are and how you can get the most out of it. Let's bring in Ray, who's called from Ballarat. Hi, Ray. Hi, Warwick. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Very what did you want to say? Look, very quickly, I coached uh, an under-12 basketball side here in Ballarat some years ago, and I got the parents together. I said, look, I'm going to coach. This is why I coach. Everybody gets an equal run, regardless of ability or whatever. It's about having fun. And they were all okay, no problem at all. We had a chap playing with us who had a few mobility problems. He got equal amount of time. He was having trouble getting the ball. He threw two points one game. I don't know who was more excited, him, the other players, or me. I love that. He, he still plays basketball. He still plays basketball and equal time, no matter the ability. Ray, you are singing my song. How important is that? Yeah, Emma? equal time. We really need to talk on this um, because this goes into that whole winning thing. And um, the parents all, you know, there's some people who want equal time. There's some people who want winning over not equal time. Again, let's go back to a community sport there should be no reason why a coach is not giving equal time at all levels. When it gets to that rep program and the elite pathways, that's different. But at community sport, your role as a coach is to actually think about the rotations. Think about if there is a weaker player, how can I support that player with putting stronger people around them? Know your rotations before the game so that you can manage that because what happens is a game starts and it goes quickly and before you know it, you're sort of stuck and the game's close so it's easiest to keep the weaker player on the sideline. You are writing on the slate of these kids forever and when you equal time is saying to the kid, you are not worthy and that is not the role of community sport. So as a coach, you need to really be planned and organised around your court time and that is that is on you to, to manage that. Sarah? Yeah, Emma, I, I had a uh, just question for you. I was picking up on what uh, Was was saying before about his philosophy, and you know, he was just saying that he uh, was his philosophy. Just, yeah, I know. I'm making him <laughs> sound really, really it's smart. Like was his head's getting bigger and bigger? <laughs> uh, I hope I quoted you correctly here. But you, you just talked. Um, he talked about just saying he wanted to make sure that the kids came back next year, and I think that's a really wonderful philosophy. And uh, the, just the comment before the question. Uh, I know at, at AFL they've got um, their, their coach AFL program 
And, you know, one of the first things at that level one is that they get the, the community coaches to first document what their philosophy on coaching is. And I remember doing it and I thought, you know, this is where, you know, sometimes writing it down and, and actually putting those things like, you know, I want to give people equal time, I want to make it fun, I want to make it inclusive. And I thought that was really, really good. And, and make sure that you go back through that and, and just refer to it. And I thought that was a really, really important tool. I was just wondering what you thought about that to help community coaches and if there was any other sports who that you've um, been part of that you've seen that, that really good resource. Yeah, I think it's really important. And if you don't have access to that resource, and remember as a community coach, there are, there are a lot of resources out there. There's drills and there's coaching books, both through the sport and through independent providers. So I always re- recommend a coach to get their hands on an actual um, resource. And But... Make it, having a coaching philosophy is really great, but what I would encourage coaches to do is to know the why behind their philosophy. So if they're saying, I want to have fun, then being able to express to the parents, I'm giving equal court time and I'm having fun because of the role of this team is community level. The players that are elite, I will make sure, you know, that they are playing the positions that they need for their rep tryouts and, you know, that they will be developing the skill that they need to develop. And if you don't feel like you've got that capability, just being able to explain why mm. you are giving court time, uh, equal court time, why there is an element of fun, so that you take that off the table before the season starts. This message from Anonymous says, Kids coaching. That is me. Girls soccer have coached my daughter's team for three years. The most difficult thing for me balancing the, the the role of the kids who are really into it and those who are there because their parents want them to be there. The kids who aren't into playing the sport are more disruptive. It's my greatest challenge in providing everyone a good enriching experience and I'd love some advice on that. Well, we'll try and get some for you in just a moment. You're on the Conversation Hour. Rochelle Hunt and Warwick along with you. Joining you from Canberra, Sarah Lowe, the of Softball Australia, Emma Murray, a high-performance mindset coach, and Tyson Whelan, ABC sports reporter and a big part of the Mafra Basketball Association with you as well. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. What does it take to be a kid's coach? What skills do you need? And I guess even recognising was and guests that... It actually does take some skill and you might need to learn that skill. I love the idea, Emma, of doing the research, doing, looking for, you know, what drills are out there, what can we help? Because that idea too of just rocking up and hoping for the best, I mean, you're going to get eaten alive by these kids and possibly by the parents too. I mean, you need to be prepared to keep kids entertained, Tyson. Yeah, well, we talk about, um, you know, this being an obligation and a volunteer thing, but you can, as a, as an adult, get a lot out of it too. Like, let's, let's not forget that. It very much feels like we're there to help the kids, but you can help yourself in a long way. You obviously, um, you know, socialise with the parents, but then more importantly, you learn skills that you might not otherwise learn, both from just a very in the niche sporting element, but also just about teaching and um, and developing. And it can help you as an as a parent to all sorts of different things. Um, and and I think you know we've talked about this a whole lot, but in terms of just managing that that court time element and making sure everyone gets a fair go is just really understanding as a, as a coach, there is clear delineations between that community aspect and those mm. elite pathways and just reminding yourself of that always. And 
You just don't have to be. There is space for that. There is space for elite pathways. There'll be space for private schools to poach kids in, out of the country and put them in their yeah, programs. But, but that's not that's not experience. that's not the space at community level. It's just remembering that. Yeah, that's I, probably a really good question for Sarah as an administrator. Actually, the participation versus pathways when you're managing a sport or a sports league. Uh, do they need different mindsets in terms mm. of when you're creating the league and putting putting things together to to um, make sure it runs smoothly? Yeah, it's a great question, Was and, and I've spent the last literally three weeks and probably about the seven weeks prior to that as I went through my interview process. And and, and even being a, a national sporting organisation, the, the ultimate there really is to is is that podium success and, and winning. And pretty much part of my interview process and, and what I've talked through the staff and, and, and the members around the country is, you know, it starts with me with grassroots. Because the elite, and, and I think uh, Emma was saying this as well, you know, it is, it is a very small percent. It is like 1%. And unless we focus on that grassroots, there will be no elite and no podium success anyway. So that mindset yeah. about the way we run our sports organisations and, and make sure we've got that lens on grassroots. And like I said before, we're already losing a lot of participation as it is. And we need to just focus on that element. And, mm. and, and like Emma said, there, there is... The, for the more talented kids, there will always be that pathway in all sports. But the mindset is, uh, to me, no different because, you know, you, you, you do have to have that fun element. Yeah. And I just really am really concerned at the drop in participation. It's not like in my days in the 70s where... You know, we, we just had so much fun and enjoyed each other's company and, and your parents would never see you till the lights, street lights went out, right? So, yeah. you know, those things aren't happening. Kids are, you and know, on gaming machines well, and everything. It yeah. is the most change it. joyful thing to experience. I have to say, like, I am just loving watching my husband coach my daughter's team, watching how my daughter interacts with my husband, mm. watching him grow, everything about it. I, like, I get teary sidelines sometimes and I scream and carry on in such a good way. It can be the most joyful thing. Before we have a chat to Anthony Frost, who is the National Coach Development Educator at FFA, let's have a chat to Rachel, who's in Ballarat. Good morning, Rachel. Hello, thank you. I am loving this conversation and it is really timely because we've just finished the season with one of our children that hasn't focused on joy or development and um, instead has really focused on strong players in the team and developing them and giving them a lot of time in the game. And we've been left feeling really disappointed that at, a, at an age group, you know, just like 10-year-old kids, at an age group where they should be focusing on equal time on the competitions and equal time on the ground and developing the players and teamwork yeah. and fun, instead that's gone. And I'm really worried about the impact that's going to have on my time and other children as they get older. Have you seen that impact on your, your child's enjoyment, Rachel? Um, I have on my oldest child. So this is my youngest child that this happened to this season. And my eldest child ended up dropping out at uh, about up to the level because he, he didn't have the strength or the development to keep going. He just wasn't... Oh, I mean, there's a message here that it says yeah. from Simon um, in grade four footy. I was put on for 10 minutes of a quarter for the whole season. It was just so damaging as a little kid. Yeah, I, you know, I want to jump in here because I always say, and it's probably how this whole thing started because I take any opportunity I can to speak about uh, coaches because if I had no other work in my life, I would become a vigilante in junior coaching because 
this whole court time and and not putting players on, we need to understand as coaches and parents that if your player, if the strong player um, is going to be elite in this sport, they will find a way. The pathways are incredible and those parents can relax because if their kid's going to make it, their kid is going to make it. And you can't orchestrate your kid's career. So let's take that off the table. The coach that is wanting to manage court time for, for the win, it is not actually helping the strong players. Those strong players need to develop the tools to go and work with people who who play differently and they're going to be better athletes mm. for that. And ultimately at under 10 level, <laughs> we don't know <laughs> how these kids are going to develop. They all develop <laughs> differently. They grow muscles differently. They, they yeah. develop skills differently. Yeah. Our role is to make sure, and this is another thing that coaches need to understand, your role is to make sure they touch the ball or actually participate in the skill. There's a general rule of thumb that 10,000 hours of a particular sport makes you a champion. You get out balls, get them moving, get them touching, no matter whether it's good or bad, get them on the field, even if they're no good. Get them on the court. They will all develop differently. That is not your job to win this game. It is not your job. The amount of times I had to say to the sidelines this year that the kids were 10. Oh, you're speaking to me. Emma, thank you very much for that. Let's bring in Anthony Frost, who is a National Coach Development Educator at FFA. Anthony, you've just been listening to that. In terms of coaching coaches, uh, do those messages and, and those ideas of philosophy, do they have to continue as you go through different levels as a coach as well? Yeah, look, uh, uh, a fantastic uh, conversation. I think what we found is that uh, it's a complex role and obviously the, there's a lot of challenges and there's challenges all the way through the pathway. But um, for me, ultimately, if you're not providing a positive environment for your players, then uh, you can forget you can forget everything else. I think um, you know, Emma mentioned uh, the enjoyment factor at you know, AFL top professional level uh, and obviously the importance of having that enjoyment at the very grassroots level. So for me, there's, there's no different. And uh, I think if you can uh, challenge coaches to ultimately assess the quality of their session from buzz or achieving that buzz that you might uh, feel or the players feel throughout a session, then, then you've done your job as a coach. So that's certainly something that we challenge coaches at all levels across the pathway. Anthony, um, I, but, I was... But yeah, just, I'm just going to jump in and just say that in terms of the um, percentages of players that can reach professional level, we're talking about 0.2% yeah. to actually mm. um, make it at that level. So you've got to put things into perspective. Um, and ultimately, what are you preparing those players in your environment for? Are you preparing them for you know, a career at the elite level or are you preparing them to make a positive you know, contribution to their community or um, have a... Uh, you know, enjoy lifelong participation in sport. Exactly. So, I think that's the key uh, too, to have them not grow up hating sport. Yeah, definitely. Anthony, there's something that's talked about a, a bit when we have these discussions around community participation at the kids and junior level, which is do we just take away all competitives, no scoreboard, no winners, no mm-hmm. losers? And I, I think it's such an interesting question because for my impression, there is that element of learning to win and learning to lose and understanding what scoring is 
that is so crucial to a kid. I just wonder what are the, how does that conversation sit mm-hmm. with you around stripping away all competitiveness and, and what that role still plays? Yeah, look, I think if you were to... And we've done some surveys of, um, of players in, in like an elite pathway environment. Uh, and it's interesting that the information that you get back is that performing or winning isn't their number one priority. Uh, so I think if you were to ask the parents or maybe the coaches, uh, you might get a different response. So at the end of the day, and I think sort of the, the, the conversation has been shifting in this direction is that uh, we're focused a lot on the what and the how to coach, not necessarily the who we're coaching. Um, and obviously Emma mentioned the why we coach as well. Uh, so for me, absolutely. Um, yes, competition, winning, losing is, is important. The players will still know the results or the outcome mm. Uh, regardless definitely. Uh, if there's a scoreboard or not or a ladder or not. So I think for me, definitely that there's a strong, um, there's a strong, yeah, I guess push for, for, for me from my perspective. But yeah, we should remove, uh, let's say, that win at all cost mentality, yeah. particularly at a grassroots level. What about the education for coaches and knowing where those resources are? There's multiple texts. One just here, when my daughter decided to give basketball a go last year, I was asked to take up the coaching duties. None of the seven girls had ever played basketball before and I was really surprised by the lack of beginner's information that was readily available for the players and the coaches in the club and the league that we were playing in. We all just kind of had to bumble our way through together, learning as we went. Thankfully, we have a fantastic group of parents involved and they were all really supportive of their kids and of me. After a winless first season, the girls ended up on top of the ladder in the second season. I wonder how much better that transition could have been with some base-level information around skill acquisition for players and coaches. Just finally, Anthony Frost, do we need better resources for coaches at a community level, at a grassroots level? Yeah, I think um, Sarah mentioned before the, uh, the Level 1 or the basic introduction course uh, for, for AFL and the focus on, uh, again, the individual and, and the enjoyment uh, and the values that are associated with you know, coaches and working with young young people. Um, I'd still say there's a bit of work to do to push, again, the uh, why we're coaching and focus on the who we're coaching. Um, but I understand that the challenges for, let's say, a parent coach stepping into an environment where there are certain expectations on uh, what they need to deliver. Uh, but, but for me, ultimately, uh, find out what the players enjoy doing, uh, which is generally playing a game, and give them that, <laughs> give them games as much as possible, uh, make it a fun and enjoyable uh, environment as much as possible. Uh, and, yeah, as the uh, text is sent through, the, the results potentially will mm. come from that. But um, I think there needs to be... Yeah, maybe less pressure, uh, especially in the grassroots environment, but on those parent coaches to uh, perform, so to speak, or to have these fancy drills. It's, it's for me, um, if they're playing, if they're engaged, if they're enjoying their experience, then you know that's the ultimate. And I think Warwick made the point around make sure that they turn, uh, they come back next season. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah, that's your can ultimate just, ultimate goal. Can I just say on that? Um, you know, I know busy parents certainly don't want to take a level one course in in coaching when they just got you know railroaded into this job um <laughs> you know i know just because i'm involved in netball there's you know a, an independent company called net skills that actually gives you a whole season of drills 
from the start of the season, week one, week two. It tells you how to set up the drill. It tells you, and and it's literally follow the bouncy ball. So get on the internet and and find some for, drills. Find some drills if you're not prepared to do a In, call. Instagram for me. Instagram. She, she can play <laughs> yeah. UK. Gave me all the technical soccer coaching I didn't know I needed, and it was amazing. So yeah. you can you can find some amazing things. Hey, Anthony, just before we let you go too. Um, conscious yep. of time, but any advice to anybody signing up to be a coach? What would be your your things that you think they should have in their mind? Yeah, look, uh, the online resources these days um, huge, but I think sometimes it's shifting through all of those different options can be a challenge. But uh, yeah, look, uh, seek out a, a mentor within your own club environment and someone that can you know, possibly give you that support and and walk you through things. Uh, but as I said, I think. Uh, really important that you go back to basics. Um, games is going to be absolutely critical for enjoyment and obviously development as well. Um, don't get too hung up on doing fancy drills and uh, worried about tactics and things like that. That can come at a later stage. But uh, as I said before, um, try and find some support within your own environment and, and yeah, stick to the stick to the basics. Uh, Anthony Frost, so great to get your input. Thank you very much for joining us. No worries. Pleasure. Academy Director there at Western United FC taking us through well, some of the insights of even moving through the stages of coaching, some of the mindsets that you'd like to have. You're with Rochelle Hunt, Warwick Long, Sarah Lowe with you as well, Emma Murray and Tyson Whelan. On ABC Radio Melbourne and Victoria. This is the Conversation Hour. We're talking about coaching kids today, some of the mindset behind it, how to get the most out of it, and really the role that you take on sometimes is not what you think it's going to be. Let's go to Mount Martha on that line. Bruce is on the line. G'day, Bruce. Hello, everybody. I just wanted to say I coached for seven years at Mount Martha Soccer Club, and um, I started in under sevens and went right through to under 13s, coached all my three sons, never coached we call it football, but soccer before, was a tennis player as a child, and that's a very solitary sport. But as a parent, and seeing how the children develop, and it's not if they win, it's how they combine together as a team, how they play together, and, and how they develop as individuals. And, you know, that's the biggest pleasure as a coach, to see them develop as, as people, whether they kick the ball out or don't kick a goal, who cares, really? And, Bruce, um, can I ask, as a parent, right, because what I've witnessed is this kind of, I'm a little bit jealous, to be honest, this beautiful, special thing that I'm seeing between my husband and my daughter and this relationship that they have. She, I can just tell she is just so proud that her dad is the coach of her basketball club. Did it give you something extra just as a parent? Yes, yeah, absolutely. It really bonds you with your children, um, and I'm, and they've continued to play. One of them's going to national level, which is great. And um, it's just one of those things that, you know, as a parent in this day and age with iPads and iPhones, you want mm. to get them away from that, get them outside. And it really does make you proud. And, you know, my wife was always there as well, and she was secretary at the club, and it really makes it's all the community. teams, everyone yeah. included. Bruce, thank you. Can I pick up on something Bruce just said? Bruce said it's really important to see them develop as individuals. A little psychological tip for coaches. 
I encourage people to always make sure that every player in that team has heard their name during the day, during the session That's or during the game, um, that you have said something individual to them. So important. And I also like to the parents, try and make sure they are always hearing something positive about their child. I always seek out a parent at the end to say, gee, Sally was awesome today. How good was that dribble in the, in the back end of the court that she did? You will get a heap less complaints from the parents <laughs> if their child hears their name and they hear some feedback about their child. I, I just wanted to pick up, and I don't want to burst your bubble or my your your husband's bubble, Rochelle, yeah. or my bubble. Um, but Emma, I did want to ask you like about the importance of female leadership as well, particularly in in women's sport. I know watching the women's World Cup, there was only like one female coach after the round of sixteen. That was England's coach Serena Vigman. But but is that an important thing that we need to start fostering at a community level in terms of getting more? Uh, female coaches to, to to come up and feel comfortable enough to, to put themselves out there in these environments? Yeah, absolutely. I think traditionally we sort of look at the dad to coach the footy team and, um, you know, we're used to that. But, you know, a lot of women have so many great things to offer that look different to the man. You know, they, they come at it from an approach of that more nurturing side, which is really important as well. But I know we're talking about mums and dad coaches, but I like to see and I always encourage you know, young players like, you know, young elite netballers, young elite basketballers, girls and boys to also get involved. I think Mm -hmm. it's not just female male leadership we need, but we need to see people who um, are doing really well in the sport, giving back to their sports to develop those next ones. Sarah, would you agree with that? Yeah, totally. I was just um, thinking as well, just just the younger, um, you know, coaches as well. You know, I think... uh, before it was Tyson. What, what did he say? He was 23. He, he's 23. He so, yeah. but I can't believe Sorry that. So none that. of us can <laughs> believe he's 23, Sarah. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a really good coach development program and we really encouraged, you know, that the best coaches were those kids. They actually got injured during the year. And I remember one of our leaders, uh, we, he won a Monash Leader Award and uh, a University Leader Award. And it's because he got injured and he coached his mm-hmm. um, the two age groups under and he was so he, he, the reward that he felt, and that's why we recognise him as this up and coming leader. And it was just amazing. So I think yeah, not just the elite uh, come back. I mean that's really important. But I think there's even young kids who want to coach and they didn't even realise they they could coach. Let's have a chat to Rosemary, who's in Blackburn. Morning, Rosemary. Hey, how are you? Good. What was your question? No, I don't have a question. I have I have a comment. I don't I don't think we equip young coaches of grassroots teams with lots and lots of management management skills in order that they're able to optimise the participation and experience of the kids. Great point. Such a good point. I I can see Tyson nodding his head too, so... Yeah, I mean, the reality is... We just need so many coaches in order to to meet the level of participation, and so there's going to be fundamentally we can't get the skills to everyone, um, and so it's just about everyone that that, that that does agree to sign up to it having that level of 
commitment in a way. I mean, yeah. what's the solution? Well, I, I always say I've coached all of my children. I always say I'd rather me coach and see it be run organised and the session flowing. There's nothing more frustrating when we're all busy and you drop your kid at sport and the session is just mismanaged by, you know, really well-intended coaches. Mm-hmm. They're young and they it turns into like babysitting club. Um, I... A really important skill for coaches. One, if you're a coach, go straight out and buy yourself a whistle. Do not attempt to coach without a whistle. Mm. Um, and no. That was so contentious in our household. <laughs> my daughter was like, oh, my God, Dad, you cannot take that whistle. Yeah. And he's like, I need it. I yes. need it. i got to no, take absolutely. it. And we you, were, need, you need a whistle. Yeah. Um, but you need to put time aside. And, and if there are younger coaches, have more senior people helping them with this. You need to put time aside to plan the session, even if you don't have the skill to know what technical part you are trying to teach. Plan the skill so it works. I always say to coaches, you know, if you start the warm-up in twos, then make the first drill still in twos. Don't go from getting groups of twos mm. to then getting groups of, you know, seven to then get, you know, you've got to have it so that it moves quickly. Um and that, you know, we've already spoken about it today, but that importance of games. So break, have a drill, then just throw a game in. You know, you would know the games, you know, around knockout. And, yeah, totally. Yeah. And having know. those skills. Before we have a chat with our very own Paul Kennedy, who is super passionate about this topic, let's go to Wodonga. Bianca Mann there is the coach of the Wodonga Bulldogs netball team under 15s. Bianca, you've been listening to a lot of this. As a yes. coach of under fifteens, what makes your life easier? What do you, you know? What do you love about coaching? What skills do you need? Uh, well, a lot of skills. I think one of the biggest things I've taken out of um, this listening in today is that that importance of managing the expectations, not just of mm. the players, but the parents, uh, the officials, and all the supporters. Um, I, I noted before you're talking about the community versus pathways, and I think we're certainly on that just entering the pathway um, level for a lot of these players. They're sort of stepping up from their rep programs and, um, yeah, they're, they're really transitioning from that equal court time to being, you know, tr- trying to be far more competitive and really trying to push themselves to those next levels and trying to manage all of that and all those different people's expectations and balancing that is probably one of the biggest things I've found I've had to develop over time. Um, yeah, so that's that skill of people management and um, yeah, balancing all that's and been co- quite the challenge. But. Yeah, communication is so important. We yeah. get to, we've talked a lot about under 10s, but that under 15 is so critical because one, you've got a group that are trying to get into the pathways mm. and two, the other group, you're just trying to keep them in sport. Like the more yeah, you can keep them the in sport, that is the yep. most important. And so to balance that, you have to communicate to the team all of the time. And so your communication to the team is to the players and the parents, okay, who's trialling for rep? What positions do you need to play? Okay, we're going to make sure Billy plays this position because he's got rep trials, but we're going to make sure you over here who's just trying to stay in the sport, what do you want to get out of this season? Oh, you want to try a goal shooter? You've never tried it before. Mm. Okay, let's give you a quarter in goal shooter. So making sure that you have these conversations is super, super important. Uh, Bianca, thank you so much for being able to join us today. In the interest of time, I want to bring in Paul Kennedy as well, ABC uh, sports presenter, reporter, passionate in this space, has been speaking about it for a long time. Paul, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for this discussion. Uh, yeah, it's great. I've, I've coached for 21 years, and so I'm, you know, I've, I've learned a lot in this last hour as well. You're always learning as a coach. <laughs> yeah, you are. Well, That's so true. What do you want to add, though? What do you think we're missing? 
Well, I loved Bianca's call um, coaching the under-15s. Coaching under-15s is different to coaching under-9s. And as you go through, you learn as a coach. But um, that managing expectations is critical. And it's up to the clubs. So if the club presidents are out there listening, they need to get in on this as well and and talk to coaches and help them communicate with parents. So I think coaches need to have their expectations from the from the club you know what do we stand for and and then the club has to have stand behind those coaches when it comes time to make a big decision i mean the other thing that modern you know in the last 10 15 years is happening that wasn't happening when i was a kid is lots of um families are considering changing teams so if they if they want this you know when it all costs my kid's going to play professional sport type thing they're being told well, don't be in second division. Go and get yourself a first division team. So there's so much movement between um, clubs and um, and teams that that's something that not many people talk about, but it's a real pressure on coaches. If you're going to lose your three best players, um, you know, you have to be really firm and, and courageous to stick to your philosophies, which you know are the best for, for everyone. Um, but it, it can be tough, you know, and the, and the pathways and the so-called elite pathways they're not necessarily helping all the time as well. So you really have to be firm on on your philosophy. And PK, I mean, what keeps you coaching? 21 years, there's doing it for the love, but you uh, know, you're a busy man and that's a couple of decades of coaching under your belt. What makes you love it? it? It's a great question and and I do love it. It's it's just, there's so much joy. You've, you've, you've already said it, but if you're uh, enjoying um, watching your child play, um, which is, to me, it's one of the joys of life to watch your kid get out there and try their best and, and um, you know, fall on their face every now and again and then have great moments and, and that roller coaster of competitive sport. If you love that, times that by three or five if you're coaching and you're really involving yourself as well. I think it's there's so much more enjoyment being a coach and, and it, it is difficult, but it also can be quite easy. So anyone who's thinking about getting involved, once you have a plan, you prepare, you buy yourself not one whistle but two because I always lose my whistle and I'm always searching for where my whistles are. Um, but once you're prepared and you, you plan and, you know, you manage those expectations, you talk to the club and constantly talk to the parents and understand the, the name of the twins on your team. Yes, they've got separate names and they want to be seen and heard, so I'd love, love all that. Um, then it can be easy, you know. You just roll week to week and it's so, so fun and you get the finals and the nerves make you feel sick and you think, why am I doing this? But, you know. But <laughs> oh, no, it can better, be joyful. And that's and the whole nothing. crux of it as well. PK, thank you. Because we do know how passionate you are about this and to be doing it for 21 years, that just goes to show. Just a final word from you, Sarah Lowe, as we said, the CEO of now of Softball Australia. You know, if someone is considering or having a rough time maybe coaching or they're not happy with the coach in their kids' club because it's all about winning, just a, a quick word of advice. Yeah, a really good one as well, and the AFL do this uh, very well, is to is to find another mentor, uh, which is a fellow coach, someone else you can talk to. It happens at Elite. AFL coaches talk to each other. You know, someone that can actually understand what you're going through. Um and, and I think, yeah, if you can get coaches to do that, talk to each other, find someone they can uh, uh, let know how they're feeling and how they deal with things, yeah, I, I reckon that's a great tip for them. And Emma, just a, a quick final word from you. Yeah, look, I 
when you coach, you get a whole lot of feelings. You feel, <laughs> you know, you feel anxious, you feel worried, you feel nervous. And this is when we can, you know, sort of, I say, vomit them onto the kids and, and we, you know, start yelling and we yell at the umpires and we bench the wrong kid. And it's like just, it's a really great opportunity to calm yourself down and to come back to that why. Why am I doing this? What's my philosophy? Remember that, you know, why you're doing it. And, uh, yeah, it's good emotional regulation. Tyson? I would just say we all have a stake in this, clubs, parents and coaches. It's a combined effort to help run a team. Um, And so have those hard conversations at home as well to ensure that when they go onto the sporting field, they're in the right mental space to approach it. Sarah Lowe, thank you. Emma Murray, thank you. And Tyson Whelan, thank you. Mr Warwick Long, of course, for our (laughs) regional listeners. That's it for today. Thanks for listening. Take care and we'll speak to you soon.